Welcome to Come Capers! Com Capers is a podcast that highlights tales of brand essence escapades, content shenanigans, and technology troublemaking experienced during decades of marketing communications and corporate design. Each episode, Carrie and Rebecca will share how they've overcome these hijinks and learned to laugh and stay sane in the face of corporate funny business. <laughs> hey, this is Carrie. Today, I've been contemplating my work performance. I mean, I love doing a good job, but it's kind of a downer when good performance results in terrible consequences. What do I mean? Well, listen to what happened earlier today. Thanks, everyone, for participating in the first annual Attitude of Gratitude contest. It looks like the quality department is ahead with 100% of members participating and averaging 2.7 acts of recognition per team member. Wow, quality is really committed. I guess the cake in the lunchroom that says QA loves you should have been a tip-off. You mean the cake that's being guarded by Darla and Monique with their slappy hands? Yeah, it's hard to feel the love when it's just out of reach. This just in, the Human Resources Department's Hug Happy Hour will be commencing at 11 a.m. Get those arms ready for some snuggly appreciation. Ugh. I think I'm going to be on in a very important call that absolutely cannot be interrupted. Lucky for you, I have a voucher. Huh? Yeah, I got one from Stacy in finance. As a thank you for helping her with her new account form, she has given me an hour of her time. She'll do whatever I ask. So you're going to ask her to bite the bullet? I mean, the hugs for me? No, I know how much you love the hugs. So I'm going to ask her to take your place on that super important call. Well, aren't you a peach? I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. Oh, so sweet. You know, I appreciate you, too. That's why I'm going to give you my wine tasting. No, no. He gave that to you. Quality time is non-transferable. But what did I ever do to deserve a wine tasting with the man? Let this be a lesson to you, young lady. Next time, suck at your job. Yeah. Hey, this is Rebecca, and I'm here with Carrie discussing all the ways in which today was a total nightmare. This Attitude of Gratitude contest was clearly a way to encourage everyone to participate in improving the work culture, but I was so uncomfortable. God, me too. I think I have bruises from all the hugs. You and me both, sister. Anyway, in the last episode, we talked about how many companies focus on formal systems for recognition for their incentive programs and how that really just serves as a band-aid instead of creating a culture rooted in gratitude. While it's important that management reinforce the culture they are trying to create by participating in it themselves, building a culture of gratitude and appreciation is everyone's job. That's true. Really, we could all do more to find ways to appreciate our coworkers and our managers, too, in ways that might make them feel more personally valued. So was today's contest an ill attempt at trying to fix culture? Jeez, nothing satisfies you, girl. I guess I should just give up. No, Debbie, it's, it's good that you're trying. Companies really need to start somewhere. 
It's just that people have different preferences and biases for the types of recognition they prefer. You might even call them languages. I know a good language. It's called hang up. Hey, Debbie, stop. I know how I can make you feel better. See, I have this voucher for a wine tasting with the... With the man. I guess she's more of a coffee person. That's exactly the point. There's this book called The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace that was written by Gary Chapman and Paul White. In it, they explore five languages of appreciation and how they work, as well as providing some statistics on job satisfaction and employee engagement. Oh, tell me more. Tell me more. For example, I think we talked about this in our last episode, but according to the book, the number one factor in job satisfaction is not the amount of pay that you get, but whether or not you actually feel appreciated or valued for the work that you do. Makes sense. And folks really actually prefer appreciation from a manager or a supervisor. And this might have something to do with how our managers have the right context to provide the appreciation versus a coworker who may or may not understand all of the aspects of a situation. Kind of like what we talked about last week as well. Right. It's interesting. Uh, two things there is that I actually just recently read that um, millennials don't care as much whether that feedback is coming from the manager. Interesting. Yeah, so that was one thing. Well, and this book is older. The studies are probably just coming out, so that's pretty right. interesting. Right, and, yeah. and I think it's kind of um, the hierarchy. Traditionally, you know, the person at the high, at the top of the company gets the most respect and has the most authority, and so their opinions matter more. But I think what happens more these days, and, and at least for me personally, too, is that the relationship trumps the position. So, um it doesn't matter if if someone, the mail carrier, tells me that they really, really like something. If I really, really like that person and I respect that person, that's going to matter more than to me than if the CEO, if I didn't like that CEO, whether that person really liked what I was doing. And the most effective types of appreciation are individualized and delivered personally. And that could be through a conversation or even just in an email. Most people end up showing appreciation to others in the way that we ourselves would like to be appreciated, which is a tricky internal bias that can leave the folks that we appreciate the most wishing that we didn't appreciate them so much. Out of the five languages, everyone has a primary and a secondary language of appreciation. Ooh, ooh, please let them be cake, donuts, rainbow sprinkles, unicorns, and socks. <laughs> I can get behind those languages. Those could all be considered gifts. Well, maybe not unicorns. Can you give a un? I suppose you can. But since you brought it up, why don't you talk about the first language of appreciation, tangible gifts? Okay. So we all have someone in our life who is horrible at giving gifts. Me. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> you are not horrible at giving gifts. I feel, I feel like it. But <laughs> that was just, funny. You were like, what? <laughs> like, what? Um, okay. We all know what tangible gifts are, right? We get them for Christmas, our birthdays, and, and like the Memorial Day rat brings us what? presents. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry, what? The what? The Memorial Day rat. They bring you, he brings you presents that you can take camping. This is new. I mean... What? Who? I've never heard of this before. The Memorial Day rat? Well. And why is it a rat? I don't. Rats are kind of creepy. Okay. Well, so <laughs> does he sneak into your house? Maybe he lives under the floorboard. <laughs> but the point 
question is, I've gotten very nice presents. Oh, all right. Well, I think the Memorial Day rad is probably a better gift giver than me. All hail the Memorial Day rad. Absolutely. So... Unless he brings cake, and that's just wrong. Mm, but cake. But this is not all about the Memorial Day rat, or salaries, or bonuses, or even cake. I disagree. It's always about cake. But cake and even bonuses are possibilities. But what really matters for people who have tangible gifts as their primary language of appreciation is that it's really about the energy and the time the giver spends finding the right gift. Mm. I mean, it seems rudimentary, but if you really want to delight a tangible gifts person, you've got to understand who they are as a person. For example, I know you like cake. Mmm, cake. But not just any cake will do for you. For example, you hate chocolate. So while Jerry in customer service would give his left pinky for a piece of chocolate ganache Jeez, cake, not. you would prefer white cake. Well, I guess you've got me down. Except, will there be lots of frosting? Of course. Some companies do this through rewards, trophies, bonuses, or by creating a point system for recognition. People are recognized by their co-workers for doing good work, and they get a certain number of points which they can redeem for a prize of their choosing. Usually branded swag. Cheats! Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I hope not. No, we gave all those to the ferrets. Yeah, I liked them. And you know, of course, don't have to break the bank. Coworker to coworker appreciation can be as simple as buying a mocha or a gift card. And I think you talked about this before a little bit. Is but thoughtless gifts will do more harm than good. In fact, any type of thoughtless appreciation will do more harm than good. Not just in tangible gifts, but in all of them. If you have a difficult or problematic relationship with someone to start with, your attempts at appreciation may be seen in a negative light. Oh man, so loaning my collection of Simon Sinek books to my arch nemesis won't necessarily make them like me more? Ha ha, that's funny. What? That I have an arch nemesis? No, that you'd let anyone near your collection of Simon books. Hey, we talked about this. What? <laughs> Fine, whatever. I give up. So the next language of appreciation is words of affirmation. I bet these are things like verbal or written praise for accomplishments. Like, that was so fabulous. Or um, affirmation of character. Because you are so nice. All the time. Thank you. And communication that focuses on positive personality traits like optimism and initiative. And like the fact that you just are so willing to believe the best in people. Oh, really? Well, that's nice of you to say. You know, you did a really great job explaining what words of affirmation are just then. And can I just say that you did an excellent job demonstrating what words of appreciation might look like? You're the best. No, you're the best. No, you're the best. No, you're the best. Okay, we better stop. All right. <laughs> so here's some tips on words of affirmation. First is one-on-one -on -one communication is usually the most preferred. Depending on the person, praise in front of a small team or a larger, more public forum may not be as highly valued. <clears throat> Introverts. <clears throat> With written affirmations, email may be fine for some, but others may value a handwritten note more. You know, I prefer my written affirmations in alphabet soup. Or maybe 
a hostage note format where people cut out letters from various publications. Um, that sounds like a lot of work. Aren't I worth it? Of course you are. Hold on, just let me make a note to buy alphabet soup. Okay, I'll do that tomorrow. Corporations use words of affirmation in conjunction with their reward programs. For example, they might have award ceremonies to give away a crystal trophy or maybe even some cash. Often, this is in front of a large group like the whole company or a division or a department. Or a bunch of ferrets. Or a bunch of ferrets. They're um, a captive audience. <laughs> if their award or recognition is a type of nomination, the best way to do this would be, of course, to consider the wishes of the recipient, like whether or not they want to be recognized publicly. Some people just want to hide in the corner, um, like me. Of course, that's not always an option. So to increase the oxytocin and serotonin, like we talked about in the last episode, be sure to be specific about what you are recognizing them for. And if possible, you could use the words of the person who nominated them. At one of the companies I worked at, the president would read the nomination form out loud, which was really cool because then at least you got to hear what the person who nominated you was thinking when they nominated you. Rebecca? Are you going to say something? There's like dead air here. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was checking my phone and doing my nails and doing a mind meld with my cat. So I wasn't really paying attention. That's just rude. No, that's just a demonstration of how a person can totally screw up the next language of appreciation. By ignoring basic manners? No, 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 no. The next language of appreciation is quality time. So what does quality time, good quality time look like? I guess it could be poor quality time. Yeah, that's but, true. But good quality time looks like a situation where someone is giving another person their undivided attention to engage in quality conversation. So using good listening skills with the goal of understanding. This is really about listening and being present with that person. Here you have a lot of small group dialogue or working in close proximity while accomplishing a project. Mm -hmm. So you might also, these might also be a situation where you're providing opportunities or being provided opportunities for shared experiences like going to a convention or sharing a meal. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting that men whose primary appreciation language is quality time actually prefer shared experiences um, like golfing or sporting events or trips over sit-down conversations. So they want to be out doing something as opposed to, you know, having that one-on-one -on -one dialogue. Too, too intimate or something? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Is that why I was gifted a wine-tasting certificate? Because the man likes this sort of quality time and assumes that I will as well because I'm not a grown-up. I'm not into wine. Me neither. But it's like what you said earlier. People are biased towards appreciating others in the way they like to be appreciated. It's always easier to assume that everyone is like you. I actually always assume that no one is like me. Otherwise, all quality time would take place at an amusement park. Ooh, like the time we got permission to have a Marcom department bonding outing and you and me and Mary Jo went to the Mall of America to ride rides and eat junk food. And then one of us didn't want to go on any of the rides. Yeah, especially not the flume. I, I guess in retrospect, that was probably not the version of quality time that Mary Jo appreciated. Maybe it was too wet. Maybe things would have been different if I had sat in the front seat of the flume so she didn't get so wet. Yeah. I blame myself. 
<laughs> I I blame myself for not thinking through quality time. <laughs> she probably just wanted to have a, maybe she would have liked the wine tasting. Maybe, perhaps. Yes. More of a grown-up than we are, probably. I, I think so. <laughs> so I think, the, I guess the bottom line is that quality time in terms of activities and outings can be tricky because they should be personalized to what's meaningful to the recipient. So maybe you liked going to the amusement park, but Mary Jean, not so much. But... You know, from this standpoint, companies can allow managers the funds to do this for people who fall into this category. And maybe more importantly, just be present for people. I mean, put your phone away. Uh, I hate it when people check email when I'm talking to them. Like, seriously, wait until they've finished speaking before you respond. Um, And don't mind meld with your cat when you're supposed to be doing a podcast. But... It's Goomba the Cat's preferred version of quality time. Sure, whatever. Moving on to the fourth language of appreciation, acts of service. For these folks, actions definitely speak louder than words. Examples are staying late to help complete a project, volunteering to do work that they don't like to do, assisting with cleanup, um, maybe bringing food for people who are working long hours, This language, more than others, has some kind of more strict rules for it to be effective. Don't just launch into helping them without asking them permission first. Please serve voluntarily. Don't make it feel like it's a chore. And check your attitude. Do it with joy or just don't do it. And most importantly, speaking from experience, please do it their way. Because otherwise they feel like they have to redo it after you're done. And complete what you start or... Define how much time you have to help and then stick to it. And don't you think there's a fine line between helping someone out once in a while to being a crutch that someone relies on for job performance? Yeah, absolutely. The authors of the book do mention that we are all responsible for our own work. And so we don't get a pass on a deadline because we were over there helping Sally do something. So you have to, first and foremost, you have to make sure that you're getting your work done first. And not to be a grumpy manager or anything, but I think I think this language can be a little problematic for managers. Now, if employees need help because they aren't able to get their work done because they are too busy helping others, what what's going on there? And if someone always has time to help, does that person have an appropriate workload? Are they procrastinating what needs to be done? Maybe it's just because I've seen this behavior in some of the employees that I managed and I just want them to get their work done. And yeah, like you said, own what's theirs. I, I totally get it. And clearly acts of service isn't high on your list. Um, But you can't completely ignore the power dynamic in place between a manager and employee either, which is, I think, what might be bothering you. Um, We could put the shoe on the other foot, though, and what if you're a manager for whom acts of service is a primary language? And say you have five minutes and you want to stretch your legs, and you see a single employee setting out chairs for the company meeting, so you decide to help them because it seems like a nice thing to do, and you have just a few minutes of time to do it. But your employee freaks out and shoos you away because they see you as a manager helping them do some menial task. And the manager might end up feeling weird about the whole thing. And maybe the employee feels like they were being too loud or they were taking too long with the chairs and the manager felt the need to step in when that isn't the case at all. And I know from my own experience, if I see someone higher up doing something I would consider more administrative, I always wonder what's wrong with the person who should be doing it. That's not really fair either because maybe they just wanted to help for five minutes. Right. Right. And I think to your point that that 
Although I'm sitting here wondering how many people actually have acts of service as their primary language. And if you, if acts of service is your primary language, do you end up becoming a manager? Right? Maybe. Because because you're the sort of person who wants to always help people out. Yeah. And at some point, if you're always helping other people's out, people out, that's, that's great in certain roles. But um, I don't know. So, but... Yeah, and, and as from a practical standpoint, I don't think it makes a lot of sense for a VP to be helping out with lower-level tasks. I mean, once in a while, for sure, yeah, let's have them set out some chairs and um, or have them run the have her run the postage machine. But let's be honest, VPs get paid way too much to feed letters into a machine and push a button. No, point heard. As a boss, quality time helping employees conquer a larger task like running the postage meter for a huge mailing or something, even just for 15 minutes, can make your employees feel like you're all in for them. There's no real harm in the VP performing this act of service, and it's great quality time with the employee. But on the other hand, sometimes it just really, really doesn't make sense, and it's really, really a poor use of time. For example, uh, Stacy in finance, she gave me an hour of her time but, you know, really, honestly, I don't want it. I mean, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, she's great at what she does. And she knows numbers like, you know, nobody's business. But she doesn't know marketing. So I just don't get the point of taking an hour of her valuable accounting time and putting it to marketing when the value she can provide to marketing is probably not much more than than sticking those letters in in the machine when she can do so much in her accounting role. I totally get it. And obviously, Stacy can't write you a new marketing campaign. Um, and maybe we're thinking about this too broadly. Stacy is kind of a weird case because I wonder if acts of service is something more akin to a random act of kindness. It's something that you don't really plan. Um, you just take an opportunity when you see one and you have the time. In Stacy's case, she's giving you a coupon. And that's a little weird because now you have to find something for her to do versus her just seeing a need and trying to fill it in the moment. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, maybe she can help you with investor packets or something. So you mean it's not, you can't have planned Acts of service. Acts of, acts of I think service. That's weird. I think that's where, I think that's where we get into gray area about overhelping. Ah, uh, okay. I think because it doesn't always have to be work task related. So here's a simple example. After once after a sales meeting, I helped haul boxes back to the office, and in the process, I lost my cell phone. It was snowing buckets, and I didn't want to drive home without it. And so when I realized I didn't have my phone, I rushed back into the office just as the very last person was turning off all the lights to leave. And when I told him what happened, he actually stayed and helped me find my phone. I didn't expect him to do it, and it took less than five minutes. Mm -hmm. But I really, really, truly appreciated his help, and it was I felt like it was really kind. Mm -hmm. Acts of service isn't really high on my list, mm -hmm. but it might be on his, because I think this person was a volunteer firefighter, and he was active in his community, so that type of service might be something that he values. And a different person, honestly, might have left me there alone, or they might have waited impatiently at the front door while I looked for my phone. But right. he didn't even ask me if he could help. He just started looking, and it felt like such a relief to have someone else on my side for that few moments right? while it's snowing buckets and I'm feeling the pressure to get home and I don't know where my phone is. So here's another way to look at it. 
Acts of service is everything outside of what you are paid or expected to do with the assumption that it does not interfere with your duties. So you could offer to grab coffee for someone or deliver something to another part of the building if you're headed in that direction. Maybe grab their stuff off the printer and bring it over to them. We all have days where we feel underappreciated or even overworked. So doing something small can really help someone feel like they aren't alone. Is mm-hmm. that a little bit better? Does that help with the whole definition of acts of service? Well, so to me, it's kind of like just being nice. Being thoughtful. I mean, yeah. So being kind, like you're. If you're not a douche, then you're of course, you're going to help someone (laughs) look at their phone or um, out in the parking lot. I got stuck in the snow and our CEO at the time asked if he could help me get out, get out of the the snow drift. I mean, and and that's just being a human being. It is, but you know how hard it is for some people because we're all so busy. Some people just say, oh, they'll figure it out. Some people would just drive away. It's really sad to say, but I've, I've met these people. Yeah. I do think, I think it has something to do with being kind. In the literature, they had talked about if you're helping someone finish a project, it's so they can get home to their family. Right. Like it's really late. You're going to spend a half an hour so that they can go home too. It's about creating that we're all in it together feeling. All right. So circling back to our previous discussion about how companies are predisposed to offer more recognition than appreciation, you can see how all of this leaves out 50% of the people because they focus on words of affirmation and tangible gifts when they give their award ceremonies and their crystal awards and whatever. And they leave out folks who would prefer acts of service or quality time, wishing that they had some appreciation of their own. Hey, wait a minute. I think we forgot one of the languages. Isn't the book called The Five Languages of Appreciation? We only talked about four of them. Okay, so the five languages are the same as the five love languages, which is another book written by Gary Chapman, and that focused on... Is he your other boyfriend? (laughs) No! But it focused on the same languages and relationships, mainly marriage, because he's a marriage counselor. Boyfriend. (laughs) But like with other languages of appreciation, that one's all about the different ways we communicate with each other. So in this case, uh, the languages are the same. The fifth language is physical touch. Ew. Right. If you read the Love Languages book, you know that physical touch isn't solely about smexy times. At work, physical touch could be something as simple as a handshake or a high five. Fist bump. Fist bump? That's, sure. That, that's cleaner. Fist bump with the, with the exploding... <laughs> yes. But when the authors were testing folks, they discovered that no one had physical touch as their primary language of appreciation, probably for obvious reasons. Or they didn't want to admit it. Ew. Ew. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, when we're looking at the languages of appreciation, all five of them, the real question is how do you figure out what people's preferred language of appreciation is? I think you could probably just read the book and figure it out for most people because they like to do the language of appreciation that they have. So you'll see the people who are performing acts of service for people and quality time and whatever. Um, Another good place to start would be to understand your own language. So if you know what your own biases are, you can recognize them in others. Um, Reading the book, well, I think you figured it out practically from reading the book, but uh, you can take a test online for $15 as well. A few tips after that. Once you're ready, start small and just pick one person. 
and look for clues that that someone needs encouragement. Maybe uh, they're discouraged looking or they have a lot of resistance to what's going on in the office. They're absent a lot or they're kind of cynical or sarcastic. Maybe and then, they're passive. And then you run up to him and say, who wants a hug? Oh, no, 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 no. Because <laughs> everyone likes... <laughs> Everyone's preferred language of appreciation is physical touch. This is what we were talking about, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I think you got that backwards. Oops. <laughs> Keep the position dynamic in mind. Um, uh, you know, it's... managers and employees. Are... <laughs> That's a horrible thing to have come right after physical touch. <laughs> um, keep your position dynamic in mind. Managers and employees have different rules of conduct, and so you'll just have to figure out how to balance that. It's not a relationship hack. It's not a shortcut to friendship, and you can't cure a troubled relationship with it. So don't give up too easily. This has to happen regularly because the effects build up over time, and you may not see immediate results. And I think there is something to be said about the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And if you watch how people express appreciation, there's a probably a pretty good chance that that form of appreciation is at least tolerable to them. For example, if someone is always offering to help you finish up projects, especially when you're under the gun, there's a good chance that acts of service is something that appeals to them. Maybe they just pegged you as an acts of service person because they saw how you offered to help and concluded you would. Uh, it's an infinite loop, isn't it? Like when you bring cupcakes one time and now everyone thinks they can just buy you off with some frosting. Oh, please. Can't they? For me, frosting is a tertiary language of appreciation at best. No way. Even with sprinkles like the cake Debbie ordered for the last town hall. Hmm. Debbie does get the best cake. Hey, Debbie. We appreciate your unparalleled cake ordering skills. If you really appreciated me, you would buy me that Pitbull album that everyone's been raving about. Debbie, I didn't know you liked Pitbull. They're my favorite kind of dogs. They are all over my Twitter feed. <laughs> okay. We'll get right on that. <laughs> Clearly, Debbie is a tangible gifts person. Yeah, and not very down with the music either. <laughs> um, so, but do you know what your language of appreciation is? It is. It's words of affirmation. Oh, interesting. So I should affirm you and say, you're fabulous. Well, thank you. I feel very affirmed. And and because you are fabulous. And I'm not just saying that as an you example. Are, you are. You, you are. You're the best. <laughs> What's yours? It's very interesting to me because I didn't really think I had a specified language of appreciation until I started looking at these, you know, the different descriptions. What it really comes down to for me is quality time, not in the running off and having great grand adventures or even having, you know, cups of coffee um, over tea is what I was going to say, which mm. makes a love over tea. <laughs> you just have one in each hand and just drink one sip, you, sip one. You, yeah. you know me, right? Yeah, Walking sure. through the hallway with sure. my, my double cups, um, which also sounds funny. <laughs> X-rated portion of the podcast, people. <laughs> oh, God. Um, 
but what it really comes down to is that I just want to be heard and I want to have a conversation with people and not necessarily to have them agree with me, but to actually have them listen and respond and then we move on. So it, it I just want people to listen to me as opposed to jump on what I'm saying and you're supposed to jump on me right now. Oh, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. So, so next time that we need to talk about the podcast and what we're, we're going to talk about next, I will be happy to give you some quality time and just listen to your ideas without interrupting. It would be funnier if you could just ramble, ramble, ramble over me, but neither of us can ramble. <laughs> no, I can't do that. Oh my God. Good. So, so what did we learn today? I actually really thought that the uh, acts of service discussion where we talked about how the idea that it's more of a random act of kindness really resonated with me. Before I kind of had the same feelings about how difficult it would be to manage that in a workplace setting. But I think now it really just means kind of what Simon says, looking out for the people on either side of you, taking a minute to realize what other situations people are in and how you can help. And yeah, and I, I agree. And I think it's just, it's about being human. Yep. And I think we all, well, all of us humans offer to help when we can. But also I think it's just really interesting how I never really thought about how that I had a bias towards one particular language or the other. My languages are actually really, words of appreciation was edged out quality time by like a point. Mm -hmm. So I think I vacillate between the two a little bit because I'm so high on both of them. And really your primary and your secondary language are almost interchangeable. Right. It's the one that's ranks fifth for you that it's a total waste of time. Right. Which is, I think in this case, it was acts of service. Right. Complete waste of time. So, yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting perspective that I think I'm being helpful, but I might not be because I'm thinking about it from the terms of my own self. So it's interesting for me to get to look outside. Right. And I, I think it's interesting to the idea of looking at what other people are doing and or really looking at this or looking into this topic. Never really thought there are people who are always bringing in food. There's people who are always bringing in, you know, treats. And it's like, okay, well, there's part of me that's like, I don't like want to bring treats in all the time because I don't need those extra calories. So that's just my bias. That's clearly how I should show appreciation for you is bringing you junk food. So for uh, me, not you. (laughs) For those people, for those people who bring that stuff in. For for yes, because that's that's probably one of those things I don't really get because I'm not a very they enjoy company lunches and other right. things that the company does for them, where it's just, I might be like, eh, it's nice to not have to bring lunch for a day, but it's also it takes time out of my work day to have to. Right. Go and, that, yeah. and that's, I guess, lunches are kind of a quality time yep. versus quality time plus tangible gifts. I yep. guess they're trying to get it all together, right? Yep. And then maybe you'll have some awards given and it's words of affirmation. It's like three, three, three <laughs> languages of love in once. And maybe a hug, a group hug. Oh, and then, no hugging. No, which, no, which did no. I miss? I missed words of affirmation. No, I said that one. So which one did I miss? You missed acts of, ex- but everyone could put away the chair. That's true. Everyone could put, everyone, we all put our own chairs away after those meetings. So you that's could, an act of service. You could put your neighbor's chair away. Well, they, I've and then everyone puts their neighbor's chair away. And then it's an act of service, even yeah. though you're still only putting one chair away. <laughs> it's true. Okay. So, now this is getting to get circular. Right. <laughs> I'm maybe, thinking. Maybe I'm we thinking should just it. talk about favorite things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my favorite thing for the week, y'all are going to think that all I do is take classes, but it's kind of true. I, I'm taking a photo retouching class and I'm loving it. It's taught by this 
person who does all these Hollywood movie posters and stuff, and I'm absolutely loving it. It's awesome. And you? My favorite thing is that, for this week, is that I can come home, even if things are not so great, and I have people at home that will love me and give me hugs, which, you know, I I guess is important at home, but not at work. But not at work. That's totally acceptable. No, that's awesome, because sometimes life is stressful. And at work. And it's always good to have your anchors at home to help provide that balance and give you happiness. Well, that nice little moment of gratefulness just filled me up with joy. <laughs> I'm being totally serious. I'm sounding snarky, but I'm not. So there you have it. Another episode of Calm Capers. If you like what you've heard, please leave a comment and subscribe. And if you didn't like what you heard, can you let us know so that we can get better? Also, you can visit our website at comcapers.com and follow us on Twitter at at comcapers or like us on Facebook. I think that's it, unless you have anything you'd like to add. Hey, these guys can really sing, these pit bulls. Yeah, check me out. (laughs) Can it be your act of service to please stop singing? Um, I'm not sure if Debbie's going to stop singing. We better get out of here. (laughs) So here's the question. What kind of cake does Pitbull, the musician, or Pitbull's the dog? Dogs, what do they appreciate? My feeling is Pitbull, the musician, um, 